He, um... <laughs> what that was? <laughs> <laughs> that one out. Someone wants to be the new intro music. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaByUs.com. Where we're talking movies, TV, video games, all kinds of stuff. With me today is Brent. Hello. Chris. Hey. TJ. Hi. And myself, David. So, a uh, quick outline. We're going to talk about uh, our our follow-up from last week's homework, The Kings of Summer. Hope everybody got to watch it. It's pretty fun. Then we're going to talk about what we've been watching and playing before talking about uh, Oscar ceremony that finally happened. Seems like it's been six podcasts in the making us talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> That's a unit of time, right? Podcasts? <laughs> yeah, we'll kind of talk about our reactions and some, some random stuff from it. And it was insane. It was nuts. We're teasing it. Because first we're going to talk uh, The Kings of Summer. Did everybody have a chance to watch it? I did. I did. Yep. It was great. David, did you watch it? I did watch it. Great. I made sure before I signed it that I watched it. <laughs> I didn't want to even put the possibility out there. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty the it's pretty charming. The the kids are all have nice uh, nice chemistry together. They're a lot of fun. Nick Offerman's pretty cool in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's interesting and funny and very very deadpan. I like him talking to the uh, Asian delivery guy. <laughs> yeah. The, the big wonton. Yeah. Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's great. <laughs> and I also really like uh, Thomas Middleditch steals every scene he's in. Yeah. As the as the bumbling cop who thinks that there's more to Biagio than meets the eye. <laughs> Especially in the interrogation room at the end. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah, Biagio is staring through the, the, the mirror. Yeah. Middleditch is just locked in. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, there, he reaches a point where he nods. Yeah, and he's like, I submit to you. Yeah, <laughs> like, what's the name of the uh, of the other cop? She's a Marilyn like, Rice cop. Yeah, yeah. Where she's she says like, you know, like it's like with, like, with respect, like you can leave if you, if the, you can't take this. And he's like, okay, okay. And Nick Offerman's like, no, there's no respect for leaving. <laughs> <laughs> He just yeah, he kills on those deadpan lines. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite deadpan line for Alfredman was the uh, mm-hmm. Alfred Breach boyfriend was saying, "He's like, yay, I'll never have another erection." <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought the use of music was awesome in it. Like, yeah, the whole thing was really fun. It's a good soundtrack. Yeah, it, it kind of had a it had a a ton of montages in him, but they're all they all were really fun, and the music really you know makes the the montages go. And even the music, like not the recorded songs but like the the first scene is I mean I was giggling my ass off yeah and the, the first scene when they're beating on the pipe and Biagio's oh, doing yeah. this weird like <laughs> OA dance yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no, I, I loved it I was I was giggling the the whole 90 minutes pretty much it was constantly funny yeah it was really easily digestible too yeah just a short little story it was good it was fun it was none too complicated but it was you know pretty fun uh, thought you have as a kid where you go out in the woods and I don't think I ever thought I could build a house but it's kind of cool that they yeah. go to that extreme yeah you know, it's pretty inviting uh, scenario and then taken to the logical extreme of course someone's gonna wrangle with snakes <laughs> <laughs> I would, uh, Megan Mullally and uh, who played her husband He's on Parks and Rec and stuff. He's on. Uh, he's on the American Horror Story. All those. He's oh in a God. ton of stuff. And like, they were brutal. He was on True Blood, I think, too. Yeah, those characters were 
just awful. Yeah, I mean, that, like, in, the, in the sweetest way, but like, yeah. oh my god, like the you know to the nth degree of those parents that everybody's seen. Yep, just, uh, just the over coddling. Yeah, no reason like in his business about <laughs> just random stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or like the like. Oh, what, what, like, what universe is he living in? Right. <laughs> Nobody likes vegetable soup. <laughs> they get to heat it up and put it on rice. That's he just great. has the greatest exasperated um, reactions to all that stuff, yeah. too. Yeah. That, that kid. Do you, and I'm not trying to, trying to surprise you, but what have those, those kids done other than that, other than Kings of Summer? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, the main kid, his name's Nick Robinson. He was a pair, I never saw it, but he's in Jurassic World. Okay. He's a kid in that. And he's going to be yeah, in... Uh, he's, the older, yeah. he's the older brother. He is. That's where I know yeah. from. Okay. He's in uh, some other stuff. I think yeah. he's got some movies coming out. Um, the kind of red-headed kid with the... It's been a while since I've seen it. It's been <laughs> at least a week and a half. Well, we can't expect you to remember. I can't remember character names. <laughs> I was pretty impressive last week doing... Remembering Gangdu. <laughs> remembering Gangdu. Korean names. Yeah. Gangdu! <laughs> he was in... Um, Showtime show, The Big C with Laura Lenny. Okay, I don't know what he's in going forward. But. Okay, and then Biagio is like a specter in real life too. He's been in nothing. God, the character again. Was awesome. There's no proof that Biagio ever existed. He wasn't <laughs> even paid for the role. Yeah, he was just a guy who wouldn't leave the set. Yeah, Biagio really sticks with you afterwards. He's very singular character. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. like uh, the McLovin of this movie. Except where he kind of outlives a lot of the other characters. Mm-hmm. And he, I love the, the like the. The scene where you finally realize where he gets it from, where he comes in and his dad's shaving. It doesn't show his dad's face, just that like he's shaving with a straight razor. Mm-hmm. And he's asking him questions about, like, would you be loyal to a friend if they betrayed you? Is loyalty more important than betrayal? But it's all in Italian, and the dad's <laughs> answering in English. It's just really, like, bizarre, like, weird. Godfather. Should, that, that should be in The Godfather, that conversation and it's just like smack dab in the middle of the third act of this and yeah like the end of that scene is like and would you defend it to your death the dad's like of course and then in english is just like that's what i thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think my favorite biagio quote was i met a dog the other day who taught me how to die <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so good <laughs> he's, he's he's pretty that kid's pretty brilliant in it yeah and I, I don't know if he's ever gonna make another movie uh, yeah it's kind of hope he doesn't. One one shot wonder. Yeah. Finding the right role is going to be a toughie for him. <laughs> Biagio. Yeah, he already missed out on the OA. <laughs> do his dancing anymore. Biagio, did you change clothes? Wait, why do your clothes still have the tags on? Did you buy new clothes for this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. I thought it'd be pretty pretty fun yeah. in between yeah, the final cram sessions for watching Oscar movies. Yeah. Leading yeah. up to this. I watched it right after watching Fences. <laughs> it was a nice palate cleanser. Nice. <laughs> Good job. Yep. It was uh, it was fun. And like I said, Jordan Voigt Rod Roberts? V- VGR. <laughs> JVR. Le TGV. Le TGV. That was his debut movie and he's apparently doing Metal Gear Solid and oh he's doing uh, Skull Island. The Brie Larson. Yeah. Oh cool. And John, John Goodman. So it'd be interesting. The trailer yeah. looks really good, by the way. The Skull Island trailer looks fun. It does. We'll see. So that was the homework from last week. Uh, we'll go into uh, what we've been watching or playing. Uh, anyone want to go first? Yeah, I'll jump in. I went and saw a couple of movies at the theater that I won't talk too long about because they're horror thriller. Um, so there's an inevitable. They're horror thrillers. Twist. <laughs> yeah, they're thrilling movies about horrors. But uh, I watched Get Out, which I highly recommend to anybody. It was really good. David and I were talking about it. He said it seems like it gives away a lot in the trailer. It holds on to a lot, though. It's good. Definitely worth the price of admission. So, yeah, go see that. 
Actually, I can segue into that because I also started watching Black Mirror. Yeah. I watched the whole first season that originally aired on BBC and... I hope you're not watching it in the row because that would seem like it would be soul-crushing. Don't watch all of those back to back. Yeah, I'm not binge watching them. We're 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 splicing in The Walking Dead to like lift our spirits. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the I think the second episode of Black Mirror, yeah. is the uh, bike one, the one where they're on bikes like charging up power for the world, and the main guy in that is the main guy in Get Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got like the faux American Idol thing and the the credits. Yeah. So anyway, I watched that, and then we were at the drive-ins. It was a double feature with Split, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, which was really fun entertaining. McAvoy's really good. Plays a guy with multiple personality disorder. Is it upper-tier Shyamalan for yes. you? Okay. It is good. better cool. than The Visit. I'm a sucker for Lady in the Water, which got horrible reviews, but I love that story. That one aside, it's way better than The Happening. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> is yeah. it too hacky at this but, point but, to ask how Conan's Brothers is it? Yeah. <laughs> But you said better than The Visit. Yeah, I thought The Visit was the most horror he had done, though. I feel like The Visit is right around the median mark for him, because, like, and it's almost the, it's the movie that sums up watching Shyamalan movies so well, because it's, like, equal parts really good, mm-hmm. and just eye-roll worthy in I other never parts. saw it. It was supposed to be, like, his return yeah. to form after being yeah. embarrassing. It was, it was the scariest movie he had done. Yeah. I thought for sure. And one thing I realized while I was watching Split is that he's really good with the camera. Mm-hmm. And like I started thinking about going back, he had framed a couple of scenes really well in Split. And uh, going back to the scene where you first see the alien and signs at the Brazilian kid's birthday party yeah. was shot oh, yeah. really well. Yes. Horrifying. There are several scenes in the village that are shot that way, I thought. Yeah, he's really good with the with the camera. There are scenes in The Visit where the grandma's like crawling around in the basement playing tag with him and they're scary yeah. as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to see it, but it looked... The trailer did not do that movie justice. It looked like it looked just so bizarre. It, it plays out like a ninety minute horror film. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. got the M Night ending. But yeah, Go to Split was was good. Good is the, uh, M Night Shyamalan in Split? Yes. Cool. The M Night Shyamalanan. <laughs> <laughs> what was he directed that he's not in? He's been in everything. No, he, has no. a, he has a cameo in everything. Hey, was he in Last Airbender? That's what I was going to ask. I don't know if he was in that. I never saw it. So he directed? I thought he was just executive producer. No, he didn't. directed that. He directed it. <laughs> Man, that is that movie's so bad. I loved the original yeah, cartoon. what I hear. It is everybody. so good. I haven't seen Legend of Korra, but maybe I'll maybe If you ever, that. not wanting to jump in out of another jump off there, but there's a great podcast, Imaginary Worlds. Have you guys heard of it? Mm-hmm. Eric Smolinski does it. hope that's his name. Operating on very little sleep, <laughs> but he he like uh, deep dives into nerd culture themes. Like one he did about the economy of the Galactic Empire, about like destroying the Death Star would pretty much collapse the global economy because yeah, of just nice. the the cost of steel, <laughs> like stuff like that. He does a great thing about the role of uh, um, the Last Airbender, the series and the Korra series. Yeah, as great exemplars for immigrant culture. Cool. Even though they're written by, created by white people, but they get all the details of immigrant culture right. Yeah. And it's a really fascinating podcast. Yeah. Because really great deep dives into stuff. Cool. And if you can go watch The Last Airbender, the original series from the beginning, it's, it is great. It's really fun. Yeah. And it is not just like, it's not like a um, early Pixar movie where it's like, it's for kids, but there's something for adults. Like, it is just a great story. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's some, like, real eye-rolly stuff, because it still has to be cutesy. But, on the whole, it's... But still tackles, like, you know, he's the last airbender because the 
you Fire know, Nation. Fire Nation is, yeah, it's cultural yeah. purging. Yeah. Uh, and then, on a complete 180, I watched uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story for the third or fourth time. Walk Hard. I'm not a fan of those parody movies. I think they miss like 90% of the time, but that one that one hit. I think it's really funny. Yeah. They had a great cast. Tim Meadows is great in it. The drummer who <laughs> progresses him along appropriately through all the drugs. Get out of here, Dewey. You don't want none of this shit. You don't what want no part of this. Yeah. <laughs> It's reefer. We're smoking reefer. When they go through all the like, I don't want none of that. I can't have a hangover. It doesn't give you a hangover. <laughs> well, I don't want to get addicted to nothing. You can't get addicted to it. <laughs> well, it's real expensive, right? Yeah. It's the cheapest drug there is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think I kind of want that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was a, a fun hour and a half long yeah. movie. It was good. But Bob, him as Bob Dylan in the Bob Dylan era is one of the funniest things I've, I've seen. I remember I, ever do. I saw it in the theater and most of the people in the theater I don't think understood the Bob Dylan reference and mm-hmm. so he's singing that one song and I am guffawing just, <laughs> I'm just like howling with laughter and nobody else in the theater is laughing nobody <laughs> thinks it's funny so yeah I would say that movie is is great if you know music if yeah. you know pop like the evolution of pop music and you get a weird 20th the, century the Beatles played by Jason Schwartzman Paul Rudd, Jack Black, and uh, Justin, Justin Long. Long. Justin he's, Long plays George Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. yeah. Y'all remember he plays Elvis? Jack White. That's oh, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> plays a, a pretty funny Elvis where he, he almost beats up Dewey Cox because he does karate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he brought his own costume. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's that's I caught up on Walking Dead. I still haven't to naturally segue into what the next person is watching. Still haven't caught up with Walking Dead. I haven't put the time in to finish the last episode of last season. But here it's gotten better. Last season or? Last half. Okay, so you're only like three episodes behind. Yeah, okay. only three, three episodes behind. But enough that it feels like an undertaking. I'll get it, back it goes there. quick when you, when you hop back in from there. It'll go quick. Yeah. Brent is, I think, has a season and a half back. Yeah. And that'll... I think so. I got about four seasons. Yeah, so you stopped. You'll get there. No, I'm at hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but other than not watching that, I'm pleased to report that Kelly has been watching Battlestar. Like, yes, we are maybe five episodes into season three. Wow! And this is from the last time we talked about what we've been watching. So last Saturday, she's really been chewing through it. And the third season has everyone seen Battlestar? No, TJ hasn't seen Battlestar. I have, you, you have seen multiple it. times. Yeah, so then you know how the third season starts. I think it's like kind of divisive. It's the time jump? No, no, That's no. It's the planet, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and she really liked that, which I enjoy, because that's, I think, some of my favorite episodes happen there, and then immediately afterwards. But So that's been exciting to rewatch it. Every time I come home, she's like, we can watch something else. It's like, no, 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 this is good. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is good. So my, uh, what I've been watching is really short, uh, and I just want to be a cheerleader for something. And I know I talk about YouTube series a lot, but as the youngest member of the group, I feel like I need to represent the young crowd <laughs> very poorly. What's YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is a series of um, short-form documentaries that are done by a guy, uh, Daniel Dwyer, from GameSpot. He worked at GameSpot for a while and then decided that he wanted to go independent and start producing these, just like these documentary features that are about like game making, game makers, and just like the industry that you don't see mm-hmm. other than like E3 and like these big like AAA I feel uh, like games. We, you got so much access to how movies are made and yeah. how TV shows are made now more, but 
as far as like a huge billion dollar industry, it's pretty yeah. opaque what goes into video games. Yeah, the the ouster of Hideo Kojima from yeah. Konami was like so cloak and daggers. People weren't sure if he was on vacation or if he was basically being told to report to an office and like sit at a desk with no computer for like a month. Like it was weird. So he's doing these little these little pieces, and I bring it up now because the newest short little documentary piece just went up, but it's called No Clip, the channel. And there's now three complete pieces. The first one is on the making of Rocket League. I don't know if you guys have heard of the game Rocket League. Sure, yeah. And like kind of how it became the sequel to, I'm going to mess with the name, but it's like super hypersonic battle cars or really long name. Huh. The second one is about Doom. A picture of just Justin Timberlake saying like, your name, you need to make it. <laughs> Remove the super bl- bl- galactic battle. Yeah, and the second the second one is Doom. The third one is like kind of a long interview, just like one on one interview with um, uh, one of the creators of Doom and founders of ID Software, like the original, um, and why he moved to Ireland. The newest one that's up it's about uh, secrets in video games. So it's kind of something for everyone. You don't have to care a lot about video games because. Mm-hmm. The first part that went up today is all about the secrets in games that didn't exist. Like, if you see the shadow flying over the moon in Mortal Kombat and you perform these button combinations, you can play as this person. Or in Street Fighter 2, like, you could play as Shen Long, the, like, master of Ryu. But you can't really, right? Right. And so then, these are, like, urban legends. Yeah, urban legends yeah. where, like, back before the age of the internet, people at arcades would be like, oh, yeah, I saw a guy do this. Yeah, I remember one was, like, Using the scepter in Mario Brothers mm-hmm. and the cutaways in between levels when you're falling with the mm-hmm. like there was some combo of buttons you could hit to where you could like have it in the level. Yeah, um, like they talk about like very briefly about like oh yeah in the first Tomb Raider like if you go back to the mansion and run around the pool three times you can play as nude Lara Croft. Nice like, stuff oh, like that. I'm sure that's there a were tons of people trying to do that. Yeah. yeah, but then so the people he interviews are people who've kind of released secretive games or games with like lots of mystery in them so it's the creator of braid and the witness jonathan blow because the witness is just like it's a big mystery like Mm. there's no start point and end point that's recommended and there's lots of stuff that people like are still discovering Derek Yu, the creator of Spelunky Mm -hmm. because it's one of those games that has like an ending there's also like if you like really dig deep and play the game a lot you realize all these weird things come together and there's a, a real ending and then jim crawford who is the uh, like DBA Twinbeard Studios, and he just released Frog Fractions 2. And if you don't know anything about Frog Fractions, just read about it. It is the most insane story. I haven't had a clue story. what you've been saying the last, like... <laughs> if you want to get into, like, words. actual, like, mysteries, Frog Fractions is a game within what is supposed to be, like, an educational children's game. But there's this huge, like, weird outcropping that you can go on and it's it's just you have to just look into it like don't look at a playthrough because it doesn't do any justice just read about frog fractions and frog fractions too nice. you guys ever hear about the urban legend of uh, polybius the arcade game Mm-mm. like i this sounds right up my alley especially that episode of it, it's so easy to go into a k-hole of like top 20 easter eggs top yeah. 20 things they just loop one after the other yeah polybius was like a art like a shooter arcade game that apparently made you go insane it was supposedly be like a form of government mind control that yeah. they were releasing in the pacific northwest specifically yeah like anyone who has played it has died like that kind of thing hmm. 
Nice. I I watched that video uh, that documentary today. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. The the I guess the third episode. I recommend it. Uh-huh. It's it's interesting. Cool. And they've got um and those three creators. He's gonna do like throughout this week and next week. It's gonna be in depth with each of those creators: Jonathan Blow, Derek Yu, and Jim Crawford. It'll cool. be interesting to see what else. No clip. Neat. And Daniel Dwyer have to say about it for the rest of the week. But anyway, that's what I've been watching more or less. What about oh. playing? Really don't have much time. I mean. When Battlestar's on TV, I'm not really looking for escapism. I did play a game called Astroneer. It's in early release on Steam. It's like a survival exploration game, except you're an astronaut on a planet, and you there's resources, and you dig, and you build, and there's caves, and it's really the driving force is there's two resources. There's power and oxygen, and you have a hub, and you kind of strike out from your hub, placing like tethers. And you just like explore and procedurally generated planets, and hmm. yeah. it's a lot of fun. That's one that I think that if you want to get a sense of the game, look up a playthrough. It's multiplayer, although I play by myself because I don't have any friends on the internet who play games. You guys are my friends, and you don't play games on the internet, so that's true. That about runs a list dry. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Astroneer is it's, it's, it's fun. I want to get back just to it. Give out your uh, tag on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if people want to find Al Frankenberry on Steam. <laughs> that is my uh, <laughs> that is my handle. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm planning on watching. Me now, you now. Okay, uh, Brand. I haven't watched any movies lately. Uh, I got real sick of movies. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah, I'm, I'm there too. I mean, I, I watched all the shorts, but please let's not talk about the shorts. They're not made oh, yeah. for the Oscars. That was just depressing. I had forgotten I watched them yeah. until you just mentioned. Sorry, it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, too late. Not your turn. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm blowing past them too. Brent, uh, Brent has the contract. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I haven't watched. I don't think I've watched a single movie. Uh, so it's just TV and uh, one video game for me. Uh, <laughs> well, I've been playing. Don't spoil this little, little game called The Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim. Oh, yeah. No, I. I've really just been crafting a lot and smithing a lot in Skyrim over the last week. It's uh, I've been trying to finish my house. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have the like the expansion where yeah. you can actually build a house? Yeah, it's the. the I, think I never Hearth- actually got that Hearthstone. It's it's real. It's a lot of mundane. <laughs> uh, you just peeked at TJ's ears with the word Hearthstone. Right. <laughs> You're like he was being. Is, it, is it Hearthfire? Maybe. Maybe that's I what don't it know. is. I don't know. Yeah. Also, I just discovered that there are higher grades of weapons than I had previously been aware of, so I thought it topped out at epic. <laughs> but you can actually go one higher and go make legendary weapons. So ah, yeah. trying to... The highlight of my Skyrim week was making a legendary Daedric bow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, it's mostly just been TV for me lately, and... Uh, you might be able to pick up on how I consume television now, which is uh, I have a list of shows and I just start at the top. And <laughs> I will let my myself watch six shows at once, but I don't want it to, to grow beyond that. So uh, I am watching The Americans. I am almost done with season four, so I'm almost caught up in The Americans. Uh, it's a good show. It is praised by some as the best show on television. I've heard and that I, phrase, yeah. And I disagree with that. I think it is a very solid A minus show. I feel like it's a it's a stealth like hip, hipster best show on television right now. Mm-hmm. I think I've only seen some of the first season. It's a slow burn the early on too. It it takes it's good. Like it, I appreciate it, but it's just not you know it doesn't blow your toot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> That's true. No, that's what I look for in a show. It doesn't blow my toot. I don't think it does that. Uh, <laughs> 
So I've been all, watching all the American things. Uh, American Crime Story, People versus O.J. Simpson. Yeah, uh, it's good. I, yeah, I watched that last week, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was—I thought it was well done. Captured the sensationalism of the event. Yeah. What do you think of John Travolta's plastic face? I thought it was the perfect role for his plastic <laughs> face. Yeah. Uh, just his plastic soul. But yeah, great cast all the way around. I don't think any piece of you know true story cinema or TV ever has done such a good job of making everybody look exactly like the people they're portraying. Like mm-hmm. it was remarkable how. Nice. Every single performer looked just like the person, except for one. Cuba does. Not I was about to say it's, it's like OJ. OJ. It's OJ. OJ is like the worst cast character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's not even like really in it very much. Yeah. When I think back of that, I think of like the 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 battle of the twin heavies of that show, which is you know Marsha Marsha. Marsha Clark. I was about to say, well, I keep wanting to say Marsha Cross, who was like Marcia. a desperate housewives actress. But Marsha Clark and uh, Johnny Cochran, those two performances are insanely, yeah, just insane. And then OJ's just there. Yeah, I've been watching a similarly titled show, just that is simply called American Crime. It's an ABC show that uh, debuted a couple of years ago. It's on Netflix. It's a real bummer of a show. It's just about a it's about a murder and it's about the family of the victim, a couple of people who are accused in connection with it, and it's just sort of about it, it's similar to uh, the Riz Ahmed HBO show Night of yeah. Night of. It's similar to that in a way that it's just sort of it's it's not really a whodunit as much as it's just about how different people are affected by by crime or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see the the show The Killing? Yes. Is it kind of that kind of vibe? Maybe less. Killing is more Northwest. Killing is more investigative. This is okay. not. This is more about just aftermath and emotion, hmm. and it's it's fairly well done. It's but it's not really didn't really hook me real real strongly. But hmm. uh, I am uh, season season three of Archer, I believe, which is uh, Jesus. You are going alphabetically down all TV shows, aren't you? <laughs> pretty much. Oh my god. The three of you and your TV watching habits just blows well, my mind sometimes. Yeah, well, but but I'm on Archer, which means uh, I did not have streaming access to All in the Family, which I, which I wanted to watch. Had to skip that one for now. Uh, but yeah, Archer's, Archer's good. It's a... Uh, it may be a show that I think is a little overhyped by some fans, but it's still very enjoyable. I think once you get in the third season, you're starting to hit the, the lulls. Yeah. Because I think the first two are great, and then it starts to kind of... It just iterates on itself so much episode by episode that the later seasons, especially when they get into like their mini-plots, you know, yeah. they have seasons like that are like all like kind of Miami Vice parodies. Oh, right. Um, I was aware of that, but I yeah. haven't gotten that far. Uh, yeah, it's good. I'm rewatching Arrested Development. Buster just lost his hand. Yeah, so, we're, um, we're in the middle of it right now. We're we're we've uh, I think we we touched on it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and so we after Cheers we started it up <laughs> after tackling Cheers. We're we're now at where the Netflix season starts. Oh wow, yeah. I'll, I'm interested to rewatch that one because I've only seen it once on Amazon. I'm watching Batman the animated series from the early '90s. Oh, which yeah. is uh, I'd never watched it growing up. It's, Love that show. It's really good. I think it's my favorite Batman. Nice. Like, not like the acting, but like that to me is like, you know, if there's like a hashtag my Batman, like it's it's that one. Yeah, it's the classic like art deco film noir Batman. Yeah. That's not too gritty and 
Batman doesn't sound like he's, you know, chugging gravel. <laughs> it's a good cross between, like, what Tim Burton tried to do with, yeah. like, Gotham City and what Christopher Nolan ended up turning it into. And there are there still are some dark elements. Like, it's not like guns with POW flags flying out of them. It's like, you know, gangsters with Tommy guns and bullets in a place that has, like, zero discernible setting in time. Because mm-hmm. it's like... Yeah. You know, there's like this 1950s like, gangster stuff and then there's like people are on computers and like other anachronistic details which like convince you oh this isn't the 50s but it's certainly not like present day 90s yeah that's a good point mm. it's it's enjoyable uh, and then finally well I'm also I'm in the process of watching Adventure Time but it's a slow process and there's like 700 episodes of Adventure Time and they're something. 11 minutes at a time so yeah. it's really kind of yeah. Yeah, there's not much to talk about. Yeah, it's fun. Well, you have to finish that first because it's first alphabetically in what you're watching right now. (laughs) Have you gotten to the one where they, as a band, have to sing a song for the door, the door lord? I don't think so. That is one of my favorites. Yeah, (laughs) just it's coming, I guess. (laughs) And I also restarted uh, after TJ refused to start. I just went ahead and restarted Battlestar because I was ready to watch it. Yeah, so Batman Battlestar. I might do it too, so that we're like uh, three or four episodes in. Yeah. Yeah. We could be like a row, row, row your boat cannon of, of Battlestar. Yeah. <laughs> You're ahead of us. Brent's starting, and I'll start in a couple weeks. <laughs> I know we're already kind of running long on our schedule, but I do want to ask the question. When Kelly finishes Battlestar, do we watch Caprica or just leave it? I've never seen Caprica. I would say leave it. See, I kind of liked Caprica. I, I think I, that... I never... I got like eight episodes in. Sci-Fi canceled it. Mm-hmm. And then... Before the end, and they just they didn't show the end until they marathoned the last four episodes, and I thought that in the last four episodes the show was really good, hmm. um, and it kind of tied a nice bow on their story arc that they were telling. I'm conflicted about whether she should dive into Caprica. I don't even know if I can find it anywhere. It used yeah, to be on Netflix, but, but that was when BSG was on Netflix. And Sci-Fi migrated all their stuff to Hulu. Does Netflix have Blood and Chrome too? Isn't that an interstitial? No, Blood and Chrome is supposedly it's it's Bill Adama during the first Cylon War. This is just like a TV movie style. It was they were half standalone. It was a series of webisodes that got compacted mm. into a two-hour pilot, and there was apparently like financing and everything set up to turn it into a regular series, and then they just opted not to mm. um, after the pilot aired. But apparently, someone's going to make a movie in 2016. Or not 2016. Someone in 2016 was pegged as director to make a, a remake style movie. Nice. I forgot what it is, but Ron Moore was just tapped to like do some adaptation, some classic sci-fi adaptation. Huh. Well, that's a hanging thread. I don't know what it is. Yep. <laughs> Figure it out. Yep. I wonder what it would be like to start with Caprica and go to Battlestar. Because it's a You can't. Cool. You can't. They spoil so much in Caprica. And I don't want to talk about it because I really want TJ to watch it. I know that how I'm kind of a snot about, you know... Spoiler shouldn't matter, but in this case, it does. That, yeah, that yeah. was just something I hold near and dear. And if you're going to invest the 74 hours of watching all of Battlestar, like, but they they end up spoiling some stuff early in Caprica. It's just like three days, TJ. There's some. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long. There's weekend. some yeah. hold the door moments. Waiting for Memorial yeah. Day. Oh yeah, yeah. Battlestar. So yeah, yeah. Just just like drive cross country from here to like Seattle and just have a the, some someone playing it the entire time, and you'll get caught up on Battlestar. <laughs> That's that's all I've watched. Been busy. Uh, it's like two or three episodes of each, maybe. Johnny Appleseed out there. Yeah. 
I don't know why, but... Johnny Alphabet Seeds. Oh. <laughs> Did you start with shows that were named after numbers, or is that at the end? I don't know. It's however the, the device I'm using is uh, ordering them. No, just know. keep it mysterious. Yeah. Just device. <laughs> the obelisk. Like a, like a whirling machine. It's up. I like to think he streams from an obelisk. <laughs> just beams down a picture onto his wall. An impenetrably black obelisk. Today you are watching Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yes, TV God. My eyes just roll back into the back of my head and I just absorb all the information. <laughs> you just shake while it just like runs through your mind. <laughs> Isn't that what binge means? <laughs> binge watch? <laughs> This is force-fed into your eyeballs. All right, I'll continue on this. I think we're we're getting a little sloppy. <laughs> At least I'm getting sloppy. We have like eight hours of sleep between the four of us. I <laughs> uh, watched a couple older movies, kind of a break from, kind of like Brent. I'm kind of burnt out on uh, movies a little bit after watching a bunch of them. Um, I watched uh, Ninochka, 1939 Billy Wilder written movie about Greta Garbo kind of defects from the USSR. It was kind of, uh, I won't talk too much about these, but... It's kind of revolutionary because I think it was the first comedy to actually portray the Russians as farcical. I was reading that this is where we get the the stereotype of Russia as austere and severe under the communist regime. Mm-hmm. You know how you can get you know comedy out of that. You know hmm. three people go in for one potato and the government takes it and you know there's a silent laugh and deadpan. Right. Yeah. That's kind of originated in this movie. Oh, cool. Huh. It's pretty good and Greta Garbo is really good in it as. You know, Ice Queen, and it was famously tagged as, you know, Garbo Laughs, because she never laughed at anything. Right. And just really good uh, character arc. Nice. Fun. Wow. Yeah. I, I really need to educate myself on older movies, and, you know, right after Oscars are over, where we're done it's with the It's a great the, time uh, to do that, too. Yeah, it's kind of the end of the year happens in February, you know, with the award show stuff. It's good to kind of go back a little bit. And then yeah. we're normally treated to a slew of garbage movies in theaters from sure. like now until summer. Right. And yeah. then summer's bad for a different reason. Right. Basically until May, it's going to be stuff that you're going to be lucky if it's like a sleeper good movie. Yeah. Right. People clearing the books before the fiscal year's over. <laughs> Just dump movies in March. That's right. That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> All right. I also watched uh, Rear Window, a uh, Hitchcock movie. Uh, I watched it for the first time and... I think I was telling you guys about it, but it is like watching it today is revolutionary how that movie's directed. It's my favorite Hitchcock. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, it still looks really good. I like, like the name. Yeah, because <laughs> you know there's the Children of Men, you know, one shot takes and the Birdman stuff, but yeah. the intro scene is where it just you know pans around the entire apartment complex. You have the, all these vignettes. It's kind of like it was the '50s. I don't know if it was commenting on this, but it reminded me of like what academics would think of TV, how it's, you know, voyeuristic into people's lives. Yeah. It's like changing the channels. You have, like, a soap opera. You have this, uh, you know, tragedy of, like, uh, you know, marriage, go from newlyweds to them resenting each other. You have, you know, the farcical nosy neighbor goes and all over stuff. And then, obviously, the, uh, the thriller part of it. Do you think any of it is Hitchcock kind of patting himself on the back for, like, like of all the things to tune into... You should watch the thriller. That's what you should focus on. Yeah, it may be like everything else is kind of, you know, Fluff. drivel. And I'm, I'm giving you the real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that is a horrifying scene when he is staring directly at the camera. Yeah. Uh, oh, Raymond Burr? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was, uh, well, you don't really call it breaking the, the fourth wall, but 
that there's like the eye contact into the camera was something mm-hmm. that wasn't done a lot then. And it was plus the you know, just just his regular birth, so he's horrifying looking in that movie. Yeah. If you just think of like nineteen fifty four isn't that far removed from like audience members revolting in the theater that there was a train coming at them. <laughs> that was like less than <laughs> that was less than thirty years ago. Or like a gun firing at a screen yeah. was like, you know, yeah. it uh, it's unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> The greatest generation, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cowards. <laughs> but it's really good. And all that without saying how good Jimmy Stewart is as, you know, completely immobile. And how amazingly gorgeous Grace Kelly is in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, she's party. And then besides that, I'll touch on some quick uh, TV stuff. Haven't been doing much rewatching other than Arrested. Uh, I'll talk about new TV. HBO Sunday night stuff. If you aren't watching it, Girls is really good this season. Uh, last season was good. This first three episodes are even better. Riz Ahmed's in the first episode. Matthew Reese from Americans was in the episode that just happened, and it's an amazing episode. I thought about starting Girls. Right? Who's the girl who's in Get Out? Uh, Allison Williams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really good in Get Out, but I, just, I saw her, and it was one of those, like, why do I know this person? Brian, she's one of those girls that's in Girls. Brian Williams' daughter. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought about starting it. Yeah, it's got it's it's a very specific aesthetic. But if you kind of stick with it, you know the characters are kind of played as satire for a bit. And I think the initial criticism of the show, people didn't really take that into account. They thought like these are you know four white girls in New York City complaining about stuff. But that's part of the active satire of the show. Okay, makes sense. It's really it's really enjoyable though. I think it's and it's still laugh out loud funny for me. There's some stuff that's really good. Nice. Tell, tell me you watched Petey Holmes' new show and you really loved it. Petey Holmes! Yeah. Uh, I, I do like it. Good. Crashing. I didn't see it. I just want to hear great things about whatever Pete Holmes is doing. Yeah, I know Pete Holmes mostly through podcasts. Like, guesting on... Uh, it's like a yeah. nitroglycerin nightmare on Doug Loves yeah, Movies. That's still my favorite episode. I think it had nothing to do with movies. It was Jeff Garland, TJ Miller, and Pete Holmes. And they just played the game of who's the worst guest. <laughs> I don't think Doug does Doug even talk in that movie no he like gets up and leaves at one point during that episode <laughs> it was like this was a long time ago because like Uber wasn't a thing yet yeah Jeff Garland was like I took Uber here and DJ Miller asked him if it's affordable and Jeff Garland starts like just laughing for like 20 minutes straight at the dumb question of is it affordable <laughs> and Pete Holmes kept uh, doing commentary on all the gold that's falling out of Jeff Garland's pockets yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny and he's got a podcast You Made It Weird where he's similarly you know extremely talkative and stuff so yeah it's kind of a different look for Pete Holmes he's not the talkative you know confident kind of guy in it he's he's kind of a, a man child in the in the show but not in a Judd Apatow kind of way it is produced by him but more in a in over his head really needs help kind of man child hmm. like doesn't know how things work instead of like a you know women are the you know bane of fun you know that nice. some, some of the Apatow movies get criticized for it's really good and it, it keeps having uh, new comedians like Artie Lang is really great in it and TJ Miller's in the second episode being very TJ Miller which Everyone can appreciate. I love T.J. Miller. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do, it's good. Um, Me and Chris watched the Slim Jim commercials for like thirty minutes. Yeah, for those Oscar nominated shorts. Yeah, it should have been. They were yeah. fantastic. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's still bizarre to me that he's the uh, what's the snot commercial? Oh, what the Mucinex? Mucinex. <laughs> 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 
this good. Watch Crashing. <laughs> Um, and then only other thing uh, I want to touch on, but I don't really know how to talk about it yet, is Legion. <laughs> Legion's really cool. It's visually insane, yeah. and the you know you got an unreliable narrator and an unreliable director, <laughs> yeah. un- unreliable story and writer. But yeah. it's really, I mean, it's super engaging. Yeah, I've seen the first two. I haven't seen the third yet, but uh, Dan Stevens is great in it. The formerly of Downton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've also seen the first two episodes, yeah. and uh, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I don't quite know how I feel about it, but I'm going to watch more. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's it's a trip. Yeah. There's, there's so much TV that's just TV, and there's Legion, which is you know way different. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's good. I started watching um, uh, Designated Survivor when it came out, the Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland Congress and the Cabinet and what? <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were saying Keith Richards at first. Yeah, Keith Richards, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and I watched the first episode of that where I was like, yes, the show is great, the premise is amazing, and then five episodes in, <laughs> no more of that show. Uh, that it, uh, that struck me from the beginning about that show. Like, I'm, I figured it would happen. It's gonna, how's this gonna maintain? And they had a couple of cool, like, you know, whodunit kind of things that were going on, and they were just taking their time with it, so. If you like, des- if you like the concept of Designated Survivor, I've got a show for you. Yeah, I know, we talked about this. It's called Battlestar. Yeah, I know, we talked about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you like that? How about that in space? <laughs> I feel like y'all would, like, I can tell you I was watching, like, The Love of French Griffin with Julia Child, and y'all would be like, you know what's like that? Battlestar Galactica. Actually, well, Julie Child probably didn't win two Peabody's. She probably did. Yeah, actually, she probably won more than that. Yeah, <laughs> David, I think you and I can save our challenge slash Are You the One slash Nope. We're gonna wait for the champs to come back to talk about the challenge. Yeah, because we need to roll week. up an Are You the One disappointment. Champions come back and throw out Stranded with a Million Dollars. No, keep it. We gotta talk. About, yeah, we gotta talk about Stranded with a Million Dollars. Well, we'll shelve it for now. But yeah. I got thoughts. Yeah, mad thoughts. Right. <laughs> You've been playing anything, David? Yes, I have. Thank you for asking, Brent. <laughs> and thank your obelisk for stopping glaring at me. <laughs> I feel less oppressed. Um, I've been playing, like I said from last week, a bear's repeating, a B-Star Tropics. We don't need to keep bringing it up every podcast, but thanks. And uh, the next lot logical step is to uh, pick up Fallout New Vegas after that. <laughs> oh um, I love Fallout 3. It's one of my favorite video games of all time. Probably one of my favorites of the new generation of consoles. And I got New Vegas, but I never beat it. Hmm. And my new thing is, instead of getting new games on Steam, download, or buy, I'm going to try to beat everything I have. And it's kind of making me re-engage with all these games. And, you know, I played Fallout New Vegas. It was kind of awkward and boring at first. Mm-hmm. And then I got a little bit of momentum, and I'm right back that... Love that game. Nice. Nice. They make so many good quality of life improvements over Fallout 3 also. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't sunk your teeth in it yet, it's it's a really great addition to the franchise. Is it an add-on or is it a separate game? It is a separate game. Standalone, yeah. new story. Yeah. Not really much overlap. It yeah. wasn't officially titled Fallout 4, I think, because the engine, it's the same old engine. It's the same old enemies. Like, they didn't, they didn't really improve on any of the... Uh, like guts of the game, gotcha. but it's just a new story, new characters, and new location. Cool. There's some um, interesting mechanics though. Like they have, you can have uh, the modifications are are mm-hmm. different if you want to put it in Skyrim parlance, Smith. Yeah. Things. I don't know what they call it. Like I don't know, junk stuff. Yeah. I know Fallout too. So yeah. I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and they add ammo type. I I just couldn't remember what they call it. Yeah. Crafting. <laughs> Smithing. They don't call it crafting. Modding. 
modding or something like yeah. that. And uh, and the uh, it's pretty cool that you can custom bullets that you have a quick yeah. uh, button change between armor piercing stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I want I want to just and I'm not going to say this because I played it, but I'm probably trying to be my next game that I play. Once I get through the game that I haven't talked about that I'm playing in the background, Final Fantasy 15, but Horizon Zero Dawn is supposed to be really good. It looks cool. And looks I think cool. that that might be a perfect transition for you whenever you finish Skyrim next year. But yeah, I was going to play The Witcher. <laughs> no, <laughs> you'll be lost in The Witcher and then maybe so like, long. Maybe a little Dragon Age Inquisition. I'll see y'all in 2022. <laughs> be ready for a new game. Yeah, Cool. All right, I think that wraps up uh, what we've been watching and playing. And uh, transition us to uh, what happened on uh, Sunday again? The Oscars? The Oscars? The Oscars were pretty insane. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of favorites that kind of went down. La La Land had its historic bid for the most Oscars ever. Crashed and burned. By like Not crashed and burned. Won yeah, a so ton of yeah, Oscars. Six, six Oscars. But by like the fifth award, it was out. For making history. I mean, I kind of think I, I think that's that's kind of what I thought was going to happen with it. The way the awards were set up to be awarded that night, the the, the chronological order would be given out. I thought we'd know quick uh, with the sound awards being so early. Yeah, there was kind of you know the clues early of it losing costume design to Fantastic yeah. Beasts. It had to win that. Yeah, losing uh, uh, both sound awards. The Fantastic Beasts winning costume was an upset on top of La Land losing. Like, yeah. it didn't get toppled by Jackie. It got toppled by Fantastic Beasts. I actually, I had a moment there where I was concerned because Hacksaw was cleaning up at the at the time. And I was like, could Hacksaw take the whole damn thing down? Because that would be insane. And I had a little Mel Gibson flurry too. Me and David talked about that where I thought Mel might might make a run at Best Director. And then La Land started picking up steam again. I think we all thought it was going to win Best Picture. Yeah. And... Because they won. told us it did, we, we accepted it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, I didn't blink. They're kind of burying the lead, but that's kind of the huge takeaway that you know every news source is covering. All these podcasts, all sites that don't even talk about Oscar, are talking about this insane moment where they, I guess, called it early, <laughs> called the wrong name. Yeah. Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway uh, said that after some difficulty, that La La Land won, and then the most insane. About face. Overtime yeah. victory. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> happened, and it was it was so clear. Now I've watched the video. Like we were called it the Zapruder film last night uh, or Sunday night, but same year as Jackie too. That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it was obvious to me that after watching that video a few times that Warren Beatty knew something was wrong and was kind of looking for help and purposely not saying anything, and then Faye Dunaway calls him impossible. <laughs> And he's like, look at what I'm dealing with. And just shows her the envelope. And she goes, la la la. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, totally, like, it's totally on her. Yeah. And she did this. But Warren Beatty's won that award. He's presented that award. He was like, wait, why does this say Emma Stone? And in fact, when you when you see him turn, you, you can see it. he looks past her. Yeah, he's, he's looking off stage. Yeah. Uh, he also, when he opens the envelope, he you can see he's looking if there's anything behind the thing he has. Yeah, he looks right. back at he the looks envelope if there's for a second. else he, in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very clearly, you know, they've done the zoom in that his envelope had uh, best ast- best asterisk asterisk in the leading role. Yes, best asterisk was La La Land for best picture because yes. <laughs> it didn't win. You know, and look, you know, something that I was fascinated with last night was going into all the deep down of investigative journalism about what fucking happened. Yeah, but be- be- before that, other big surprises because I think we'll spend the sure. rest of the Oscar talk talking about. The conspiracy theories and people who say that they might have. To and all. there weren't a ton of surprises. La La Land and costume getting beat. Fantastic Beast. That was a surprise. Suicide Squad was 
a kind of a surprise. But nobody, I mean, hair yeah, makeup. People care about that award, but yeah, like but we, I'm saying it was it was yeah. kind of a surprise because that one's always hard to gauge. Yeah. Well, I will say, like I was telling you guys earlier, that I looked into you know using kind of GoldDerby.com's odds as kind of a baseline. I checked uh, the statistics for the last couple years, and the number of upsets. You know, there's things that maybe um, wouldn't be an upset because it's something that's you know in the running. But as far as front runners not ended up ending up winning the award, the percentage has gone up every year for the last four years. And you know, with eight upsets statistically based on Gold Derby experts, right? You know, it's the most in at least the last five years. Um, there's 24 awards total, so they got 16 right. Um, and it's 25 experts. They pretty much just ask them which one's going to win, right? Uh, and they rank them all. They do rank yeah. them, but... That's that's where the odds come where from, Where the odds too. happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I wonder if, it, like, uh, you know, last year there was some upsets, but, you know, a lot of it... Spotlight was not a favorite. It ended up winning. You could kind of figure that out. But I wonder if the shakeup they did with the Academy of making it younger, making it less male, and making it more ethnic is going to keep going in this direction. Where you have, I think, Moonlight is definitely, I think I kind of hijacked back to Moonlight again. It's, okay. it's hard not to talk about it. Yeah. But it seems like more of a movie for uh, the youth movement and young people than La La Land. And I wonder if that's a big beneficiary of that. Yeah, well, it's interesting with, with that. One of two things had to have happened, I feel like, which is they either said, they, they took a very, maybe three things, a very realistic approach to voting for the what I think are the biggest two awards of the night, Best Director and Best Picture, and mm-hmm. said La La Land is a far greater directorial achievement than Moonlight, mm-hmm. so we'll give that to Giselle, and we'll give Moonlight Best Picture. Or they said, we can't tell between the two, we don't know, we'll give Giselle Director, we'll give Moonlight Best Picture. Or what Chris brought up, and I thought about it a little bit, but not really clearly until he mentioned it earlier, is that Moonlight could have been everybody's number two. Manchester and La La Land could have split a lot, at the top of the ballots, which, you know, could could kill for Moonlight. And you, you keep hearing stuff that is, you know, there's circumstantial stuff. You know, this guy talks to this voter. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk to our friends. I think La La Land was probably pretty divisive. You know, it was a backward-looking movie that was about escapism. And, you know, Moonlight is kind of a forward-looking movie about empathy. You know, kind of in opposition to what's going on right now. It may have just been too divisive. Like last year, The Revenant probably had, it may have had the most number ones, but didn't hit the threshold. But it also probably had a lot of number fives. Right. Where it's a very divisive movie, The Revenant. I can see the same thing for this. It was, it was interesting. And I really didn't know which way it was going to go. It's still, it's, it's interesting that Chazelle would take the director. Like, I mean, I, I guess I just don't have as much respect for all the Academy members as I probably should. But. If that's the case, if La La Land got dropped off because it's 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 down the list on a bunch of people's things, it's hard f- for me to grasp how maybe not how Emma Stone would win because she's so likable. I mean, Chazelle's likable too, but how he would win director over Jenkins if that's the case does that make sense? It does, but you also I mean the difference is, is all speculation. Nothing ever comes out about how right. close things are. But Best Picture is just weird in that it is the only thing that's preferential versus Director is just who has the most number ones. Yeah, that's true. Right. You, well, you know, you may not be accounting for, you know, if Director was preferential, maybe you would have well, what, what you're talking about. 40% yeah. of each and win one and not the other. Yeah, yeah. and also, they, and this is not to sell the, you know, the directing of Moonlight Short or making an excuse of why La La Land won it, 
But Moonlight gets its just desserts in adapted screenplay with a win there. And Barry Jenkins accepts the award for it, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, right, yeah. so that that could be where the split was, and then Best Picture gets you know figured out by the whiskey math that decides Best Picture. Sure, I actually kind of like. I also at, at one point I don't understand how you can say something is a Best Picture but not like the direction, and vice versa. They seem to like to be completely um, hand in hand for me. Right. But I also like the wealth getting spread. Where you have a director awarded and a movie also awarded, it's yeah. also something like it's splitting a lot since the uh, best picture list expanded. It's uh, I looked up, you know, I'm interested in kind of updating all the stats for right. you know what the fuck happened yeah. on Sunday, but it has only split 25 times in 89 years. That's 28 percent, but since the preferential ballot. Uh, it's fifty percent of the time. Oh wow! The split, including four out of the last five years. I said that, and I couldn't remember any of the other examples. And the only year we could think, remember was the year when it didn't happen, which was Birdman and Inuritu was the the one where it didn't split, right? Right. It's, In the last five, it split with Catherine Bigelow and Hurt Locker, right? No, that got that got both. Okay. Yeah. So you had Spotlight and Revenant last year. You had Argo and Ang Lee. Because Ben Affleck wasn't nominated. Didn't get, didn't get yeah. Arms, yeah. yeah, and you also had 12 Years a Slave and Gravity. Yeah. Was Avatar in the preferential or no? Yes. Yeah, it was the first year of it. Okay. Yeah. It didn't... Yeah. Yeah. Hurt Locker got both of those. Yeah. Still has the most Oscars in the... I consider like the modern era of preferential yeah. ballot, nine nominations. It's hard to compare yeah. to previous years. Yeah. You know, with... Six awards, it's the most for any Best Picture winner in the modern modern era. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if you guys want to go down the rabbit hole now and talk about the craziness and the, the theories. Well, no, I mean, I still wanted to bring up the Casey Affleck beating out Denzel. Yeah, that was, was awesome. was big yeah. mm-hmm. and, and awesome and backlashy, for lack of a better word. Yeah. People were all over Twitter about Casey Affleck's thing. But, I mean, he, as far as... Uh, uh, Selling the nomination and selling the win and doing all the all the press junkets and all that, which Casey kind of stayed away from this year because of the sexual uh, allegation stuff, um, worked out. And, and Denzel was hitting it hard from what I heard. He yeah, was, available for all kinds of interviews. Yeah. I kept seeing them on these podcasts I would listen to. It's like it's Denzel fucking Washington. <laughs> what's he, yeah, <laughs> what's he doing on WTF? <laughs> yeah, uh, Casey didn't do anything. Yeah, um, divorced but, from kind of context, Casey Affleck was my favorite performance of the year, and I like to you know cap it at what is the best performance of the year. And I think all four of us do. I think that's one. one that's why I was impressed. I was impressed that they yeah they made a yeah merit based decision. I think there's a line. I think I'm, yes. I'm, I agree with you guys, but there is that line somewhere. But I don't think the allegations of sexual harassment cross it yet. I'm not saying that it's okay if these things are true. No one is. Well, you don't want to evaluate. Uh, yeah, that's the point. Evaluate him as an actor. It's not like you know, Roman Polanski is nominated for best director again. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know morally complicated to say that that's my favorite. I mean, it's my favorite movie of the year. My favorite performance. Knowing none of the facts for this stuff. I mean, he's that's the thing is like he's still going to be tried in the court of public opinion. As much as you know, I don't want any allegation like this to be true. But if it comes to light that it is, he won't get the sponsorships that like Mahershala Ali is going to get, like wearing yeah, Versace yeah. suits, you know. And if hopefully that if he did do it, he is you know punished accordingly. But that has nothing to do with how well he acted in Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, yeah. I got a question 
if we're done. If you guys have more Casey Affleck. No, 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 no. I was gonna. Yeah. I just had a discussion, like overall discussion topic. You know, Moonlight upsetting La La Land. You know, I think we're all pretty excited about that. It seems awesome that that, that happened. But do you think that's a good thing for the Oscars or cinema that the lowest, um, the movie that made the least amount of money lost to the one that made some of the most money? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it matters. I mean, so I was the one who voted for Moonlight out of the four of us, right? Yeah, that's my number one. Was your number one? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's good or bad. I don't think money should matter really at all in this. It's, it's hard. Um, I mean, Moonlight's not a mo- movie that a lot of people are going to want to go see. So you know, our, our comedy is always going to be more likely to win Best Picture. I mean, that, that's the other side of the argument. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I just bring it up because I think it's going to be a topic. We're going to have a year until the next ceremony. You know, the big cultural phenomenon was La La Land. Yeah. I will say um, this is one of the only Oscars where every film was profitable. You know, every film, yeah, yeah. every film made back its budget. La La or Moonlight. Budget was like one point five million. Ended up making twenty two million. Still above Hurt Locker, lowest grossing best picture still ever. Um, yeah, I was gonna mention Hurt Locker, but then the, the fact that it was a war movie saves a lot of the like. I feel like throughout the year you will get this like gay drug, you know, oddly shot movie. And whereas Hurt Locker, the the masses, the the not like cinephile people saw that and maybe never saw the movie and were just like. Yeah, God bless America. You know what I mean? It right. also stood sort of as the... In Hollywood, it seems like every every war gets its big movie. Yeah. And Hurt Locker was the one for that war yeah. mm-hmm. when it came out. And every, you know, people saw it and they're like, that's the that's the movie for this war. And I think that's that helped it a lot. As for whether it was, it's good or bad, I, I don't know. I, that's a good question. And question. I can see both arguments. I kind of... I guess it's how you, and I suppose it's up to each voter to define best picture for however they want to define it when they vote. You could approach it as simply as what is the absolute best movie without any other considerations whatsoever, or you could consider it as this is going to be a mantle that this is this is going to be holding this title to you know represent film in this year going forward. And for that, I would like to. Chris brought this up when we did our Oscar podcast of. I would prefer a movie be, you know, accessible to the masses if it's going to have that mantle, you know, and, and it's wide, wide release. I don't know how widely Moonlight was released or when it was, but I would prefer it be a movie that lots of people had the chance to go see at their multiplex in in the year. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's the one thing I would prefer. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying Moonlight didn't. I didn't follow the business aspect of it that much. But that is something I would like to see best pictures. I would say, like, I got so many stats ready to go. I might just, like, rapid fire them. <laughs> but um, this this continues the year of there's been no movie released in December. You know, talking about being represent- representative of the year. To be able to see it in that year. Yeah. Instead of, like, you know, it debuts in February. Right. There's some qualifying run. It has been 12 years since a movie in December has... Last one was uh, Million Dollar Baby. It was okay. released in December and um, won Best Picture, where December is the big kind of release for a lot of stuff, like Fences is a Christmas Day, La La Land, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wolf of Wall Street was a big one. Um, American Sniper 2. The sequel. The Sniper. Yeah, yeah. American <laughs> Sniper. <laughs> yeah. Quest for Peace. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, and I'll just, before you go into, like, rapid-fire statistics, which, you know... <laughs> Sounds fascinating. It'll be enlightening, but... Uh, American Sniper 2, rapid-fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that, that for this question, if someone asked me, like, like a layperson, like, did you see all those movies? It's like, yeah. And then the Jimmy Kimmel joke is like, but who else saw them? Like, who cares if Moonlight wins? Because I think that's the big counter-argument to Oscars... Um, other than, you know, the Oscars so white or any criticisms of the industry, is it's who cares about the Oscars? These are movies that only the people in the Academy see. If, if we're going to put something up on a pedestal and say, like, this was the best picture, it was Moonlight, then if we can't have the perfect world of the a movie that is consumed by a lot of people, is loved by a lot of people, and then the Academy agrees, yes, that was the best movie of the year, then at the very least, let's have the best picture be an obscure movie that nobody saw when it was first released. And then throughout the year before the Oscars the next year, they like look at Comcast and they've got this, this beautiful package of like here are all your Oscar movies or time Warner cable or whatever your cable provider. Right. Um, and then they watch moonlight and they go, Oh, I understand. Yeah. That's the real upside of it. Yeah. Is that more people will see moonlight yeah. because of the award. And especially think- when everything comes to streaming and about, you know, six to 12 months. Yeah, and I think that the people who aren't lunatics like us treat the Oscars like that. Yeah. I think that for the movies that they don't see that are recognized at the Oscars, they make it a point to see. Whether that's good marketing to be an Oscar-nominated movie um, or whether it's you know a thing that I hope consumers do, uh, I think there's an upside. I, I don't know the, the, the numbers, but I'm sure Hurt Locker made a good bit of money after the fact by people watching it, renting it, you know. Sure, I mean, the, the artists at the, I don't know, the genesis of it all, they still just want people to watch their craft. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And winning that award is going to make Moonlight seen by more people than Barry Jenkins or that playwright, for Christ's sakes, could have ever imagined. Right. You know what I mean? And that's awesome. Yeah. That, you know, millions and millions of people are going to see this guy's play on screen. I'd cry myself to sleep every night thinking about it for yeah. a few weeks. That's and, awesome. And they're yeah. probably going to make it into... That play is probably going to get... Yeah. Yeah. I would say for myself, I think it is a good thing for Oscars and for the business about telling specific stories that have personal detail that you can connect to. Like, I would love to... I love watching movies where I have no idea about this world. Documentaries the same way. I've n- I got no idea about what goes on. You know, maybe you're a plumber in Liberia or something. Yeah. Or you're, you know, a plumber in Boston and your brother dies. Yeah. You know, that happened this year. Yeah. I love being, I love stories that are specific and personal being told. Hopefully it's some momentum for more of those stories to be, you know, told going forward. Especially since all of them made their budget. Some of them big, uh, only talking money because it's a big momentum for Going forward, this stuff being made again. Right. Is people actually seeing this stuff? I guess the top moneymaker yeah. got shut out, didn't it? Was Hidden Figures ended up being the, the highest producer? Yeah. The, you know, there was some stuff that was shut out, like uh, there were pretty good movies. Uh, Hell or High Water, Lion, and Hidden Figures all went Over. home with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. yeah. Anyone have a random award that made them really happy? Sing for best short film? Live action short. Live action short. Live action. Hmm. I had, a, I had a couple I would have been happy with. Um, mine was Manchester by the Sea for original screenplay, which I might be stealing David's. No, I got a different one, but that, that one made me very happy. Um, I think that was the award that was the, aside from a couple of the ones I wanted Lawland to win for, director and production design especially, 
Um, that was the one where I thought there was such a big difference from Manchester to the second best screenplay. Mm-hmm. I thought that sound editing for Arrival was good. Sound editing, right? That was going to be my random one. Yeah. It's that Arrival didn't get shut out, and the sound editing was incredible for that. Just yeah. seeing the clip again of the way the uh, aliens were talking, they have to pop, yeah, and the you know the vacuum that they're operating in, their voices in the hazmat suits, mm-hmm. it's just so yeah crisp. Yeah. I was talking to TJ on the way in that uh, it's like the opposite argument for Academy Award winner Suicide Squad. Where like it sucks that that has to be a, that moniker is attached to Suicide Squad in the DC universe, you know, trash fire. Um, <laughs> but it's so great that Arrival can say like Academy Award winner Arrival. Yeah. Um, I wish it would have won more, um, but you know I was already used to being disappointed by Kubo getting shut out and Life Animated not winning. So that was that was my that was my. Uh, yeah, happiest we, moment of the evening. We all had arrival. some kind of dogs go down. I think mine was a man called Uve going over two. Yeah, yeah. I would have been really happy for either of those to ha- to happen. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. all kind of sad for Kubo. Wanted yeah, to get at least one of those. Did have a thought today that it was nice looking at some of the the big winners and thinking like it's nice that Lonergan won for writing and Affleck won for uh, acting and that like those were the. Those parts of the movies that I would rank as the two best parts of Manchester by the Sea. Yep. The writing yep. in him. Lawland gets Emma Stone. Lawland. Emma Stone totally deserves it. Damien Chazelle totally deserves it. Justin Hurwitz sweeping that. Totally deserved. Cinematography. Like, cinematography. Like, yep. Those are those things I would rank that Lawland did the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moonlight the same way. Like, the writing. Screenplay of Mahershala. Yeah. And then, like, funding that movie alone, producing that movie is ballsy and is cool. And I'm, I'm glad it happened. And, and and look at Hacksaw. I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. I'm not upset about it. But it's just like it got film editing and sound mixing, mixing yeah. which I, I think editing's a huge, a yeah. huge get for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have our thoughts about how the movie, you know, as far as editing goes, how it's kind of paced between the two sections. But technically, it is like incredibly sound. Oh yeah, like master technicians. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I went into it. With the opposite of hype. I mean, I went into it ready to hate it. Yeah. Because and I mean, yeah. everybody's view. And I didn't hate it at all. I mean, I didn't hate the beginning. Yeah. I and, just... and if you if you, if you you listen back to our complaints about Hacksaw, it's not... Like, it sounds bad. It, like, the visual spectacle's bad. It's like... It's did, not a... Didn't really like the plot that much. We thought the acting was hammy. And, like, that has nothing to do with what it was honored for. Yeah. yeah. It is not a war movie that has sloppy, shaky cam... Or, you know, where you don't feel like it's actually a war movie. Yep. Uh, it felt very crisp, if that translates well. Um, the the war scenes felt very, just, like, on point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I was going to touch on, not an award, but uh, Jimmy Kimmel's performance, which I thought was very good. I thought Jimmy Kimmel was a good host. Oh, yeah. I thought he was great. The Matt Damon feud was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, if they, if they get him back... To do it again, I don't know. He he kind of hit on all his best bits. I don't think night. he can. So I don't think he can come back. I think he's just going to have to be a, a very good one and done. Yeah, yeah. I thought he did an incredible job though. Was I was gut laughing through a lot of that stuff, yeah. especially the payoff of the my inspiring movie. We bought a zoo. Is the we bought a zoo? Yeah. He said three words and it felt like. <laughs> or he, or said, he two. said two words and it felt like three. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was just it's so effortful. <laughs> And, you know, kudos, Matt Damon sold it like crazy. The, the deadpan and the why me. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't tell still 
if when he and Ben So were, were presenting the writing awards, if Matt Damon like, was I was like what <laughs> if if Damon was was fully aware that they were going to do the or- orchestra swell anytime he started talking while they were presenting because he seemed and I get it he's an actor he's what he does uh, he seemed genuinely surprised <laughs> that the bit was still going I think he didn't know it was coming and then because that was the only one that seemed a little hammy to me with him yeah where he was like oh they're doing this I'm not sure if he knew that was going to be a thing because the part where he said like you can't play me off I'm just presenting Oh, I don't know. I think it was him trying to like ad lib a lot, but didn't quite work. Well, also, yeah, just but... think about the alternate universe that could happen where instead of uh, actor actress, it goes actress actor, and Warren Beatty has the Manchester by the Sea best actor envelope. Oh right. And then Jimmy Kimmel says, or someone oh, says, we didn't actually yeah. win. <laughs> that that's just my like. They might not be for him to get a on the friendly stage. feud anymore. That yeah. I don't know that he could ever, you know, convince me that that wasn't a Andy Kaufman esque, you know, final. Yeah. Trick the devil pulled his stamp on it. Yeah, he, he just disappears from show business. Yeah, because that. that's yeah. just like that's just um, the way it happened to be production out. sequencing. Yeah, yeah. They thought Emma Stone would be a big moment, so it was like right before the biggest award. Mm-hmm. Now, in recent years, actress is going to last, right? In the over the last three or four years. Um, I think there's no pattern. I don't think it. De- it depends. DiCaprio was. Uh, I think DiCaprio was right before Best Picture last yeah. year, because that was that was the big or before lead up. Best. Oh yeah, right. Because they yes. do director and then actor, two actor. actors yeah. and then picture. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on you know they they shifted every year. Yeah. Like this year they shifted some stuff based on what they think was going to happen. Obviously, yeah. doesn't happen that way sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my stats and stuff. I think I'm just going to roll into a column of. Uh, you know, write an article of All right, cool. just some random takeaways. It'd be it'd be a nice thing to do. I will say two things. <laughs> You're not gonna get out of it this way. Um, I mean, maybe just one thing. I'm totally buying stock in the Moana singer. Um, uh, she was, she was Ali E. Cravayo. Yeah. Ali Cravayo. She is like intensely charismatic. Yeah. Singer. Um, I don't know about acting, but probably acting. And someone hit her in the fucking head with a flag, and she didn't even, like, change the note. She just, like, went on like a freaking pro. All the musical performances were fantastic, I mm-hmm. thought, yeah. last night. Uh, the cold open with Timberlake was great. But, yeah, she was she was fantastic. I'll say specifically, I think she, she's going to have a long career. She, she's just got a natural charisma. Yeah, she's beautiful, too. Mm-hmm. Got nice teeth. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's The Rock. I wish I had nice He's thinking of The Rock. <laughs> Oh, and that was my other thing. Um, the Rock needs to host the Oscars, right? Yeah, I think he'd be great at it. I <laughs> Although, really do. He looked he looked weirdly nervous in his bit. I think because he's like still shaky with. I know he's been doing a lot of press about how like yeah I can actually sing, but he seemed a little like nervous. Like his his voice was a little shaky, but he is he is the perfect personality for it, and you know he can sell to a big crowd like that. Well, you also have, like, he's in a uh, building where this is what people have been doing their entire lives. And he's been doing a form of it in the wrestling. You know, he's a natural actor through that. Yeah. But it's something that he's taken on and something that he's really, you know, I think he's a great actor now. He's got great yeah. charisma also. Yeah. But it's probably something that he, you know, I don't want to project myself into the rock. But you could feel like an interior, you know, fraud thing of, yeah. I'm here doing the, the sure. highest paid actor. 
with a bunch of actors. Yeah, you can you could kind of smell what he was cooking. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah with the jabronis <laughs> yeah. at all. But I think also with like some time to you know it takes months to prepare for that thing. That's the only thing is he's intensely busy. But I think he'd be an awesome host. Maybe pretty pretty good uh, ratings for an Oscar too. Yeah, they'll probably give it to like what late night host hasn't done it yet. Is they gonna give it to James Corden? He'd be good. He'd be good. He'd sing the whole goddamn yeah. time now. So does it? Uh, does ABC? Is ABC gonna keep the Oscars for the foreseeable future? Like, would they do that? Would they I pull think, a CBS host? I think ABC has had the Oscars since nineteen seventies. Yeah, it's like continuous. Mm. But lately, everyone is just their own late night host has done the award. Like Grammys were on CBS. James Corden did it. James Corden did it. Uh, Golden Globes was on NBC, so Jimmy Fallon did it. And this was on Emmys were on MB, were on uh, ABC, so um, Jimmy Kimmel did that also. Right. People's Choice Awards on TBS with Conan O'Brien. No, I, I don't know if that's even true. But. George Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it when they do some out of the box stuff though. Yeah, that's why I think The Rock could be cool. Yeah. Uh, my, my, if I had to pick though, I might I might guess it might be the uh, Hamilton guy. Lin-Manuel Miranda? Yeah. Oh, I do I have... Uh, I hate to keep bringing up stuff, but I had a quick <laughs> thought thing. Four. Oh, yeah. Good call. <laughs> hate to keep talking. <laughs> I'm talking, dog. <laughs> a good, uh, it's a question of the the EGOT watch. Obviously, we were denied an EGOT with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Is he, is he three-fourths of the way there? Three-fourths. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's four-fifths for a PGOT. PGOT, he, yeah. He's... he's <laughs> yep, and uh, Viola Davis got one step closer to an EGOT with her Oscar win. So and she's got the hardest ones to get. I feel like she she could waltz into a. Well, I'm going to give you four candidates, all missing one of the awards. So we got Viola Davis just missing a Grammy, uh, Lin Manuel Lin Manuel Miranda <laughs> missing an Oscar, uh, Kate Winslet only missing a Tony, nice, and uh, Elton John only missing an Emmy. Who gets it first? Well, it, the the qualifier here is. Kate Winslet, I think, could decide to get hers. Like, I think yeah. she could just be in a production and win a Tony. I think she's, like, that good. And I think Viola Davis the same way. Like, go read, right. start reading kids' books on tape. Oh, yeah. That, yes. They used to be, yeah, you get a daytime Emmy for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, like, or, or, like, Jimmy Carter's, right. like, Every, yeah. Jimmy Everybody Carter's a Grammy winner. Because yeah. like of a book on like his his autobiography that he there's, read. I've been in houses where there have been Grammys on the shelves. They're yeah. not that hard to come. I got three in the closet. Yeah. Outside. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I mean, they're hard to come by. Like we're not, we couldn't just go get one. But like, if you're a celebrity, if you can go, you know, they not they dominate by name on those things. Mm-hmm. Like, can, we, can you imagine listening to all that damn music? I want to see a Viola Davis best <laughs> comedy album Grammy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Or just go for it's it. Like a collection of acceptance speeches. Or just say like, <laughs> I mean, there's so many. You got a good point, and there are so many categories. I want her to like stake out her claim, call her shot, like Zydeco album. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> I'm gonna get that. It's called Inspiration from the Graveyard. It's called. It's called <laughs> Getting Away with Murder. It's called The Only People Who Care About Life Are Actors. <laughs> yeah, that, there were some rough speeches. I mean, not to just keep going, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, her speech I didn't like that much, which was sad because I liked all of her speeches leading up to this one. Yeah, her her speech is getting a lot of praise today. Yeah, and I'm not on board with it. I thought, uh, I mean, not as bad as the poor uh, Disney dude though, who like oh I know didn't mean poor. didn't mean for it to come across that way. Yeah. He just didn't. There's no way he thought like he I'm drove say a, that and it's he gonna, drove a it's car made great. of Oscars to the awards. Yeah, that's night. Nice. Yeah, this never gets old. 
Oh, God. Yeah. It's just awful. Um, and so much winning. I think he was trying to make a Trump joke, but it just, he came and, off as an asshole. Yeah. His, I looked up, I wanted to know his name. His name is Rich Moore, too. His name is Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Moore. Yeah. That's yeah, awful. <laughs> That's like a joke name. <laughs> um, the I really like the Farhadi statement that was read. It was really nice, and, yeah, good. and today, I don't know if you saw, but all of the directors of all the nominated films for foreign film all kind of co-signed this open letter um, about, you know, art and uh, how art has no borders, and it's mm-hmm. just, it's really well written. Um, kind of all all the other four nominees echoing the Farhadi um, note that was read. I was really touched, too, by the, uh, out, out of the What Inspires You segments, uh, Javier Bardem. And Meryl Streep was really, yeah, neat. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. that one a lot. Yeah, it's just such a weird like the first time I saw the Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> like, what? Was, that's I was awesome. not expecting that. That's great because it's a movie I've always liked a lot. And it's weird that I like. I felt weird liking it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a movie I would enjoy. He seems so intense. Like I thought he was going to say Mean Streets. Something. Sophie's Juice. I would love for him to say, like, when I first saw Sisterhood of the Traveling Pets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought what Seth Rogen said about Back to the Future was really accurate and on point. Like, yeah. Like, when you think of, like, pop culture movies that defined an era, I mean, is it? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it is. Non sequitur, but did you guys see the Onion article about uh, the Oscars? The the headline was Large Mirror brought out on Oscar stage gets resounding six minute standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> Just onion killing it. Yeah, it has an illustration always. or a, a Photoshop of a giant mirror. <laughs> <laughs> resounding six minute standing ovation. I was I looked up today who because I knew Ryan Gosling was with Eva Mendez and I was like who was that beautiful woman that was next to Ryan Gosling in the audience all night. I looked it up and of course. It's his fucking sister. Yeah. Like, that family is <laughs> overloaded with adorableness. God, none of them are the ugly duckling. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep, it'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> yep, 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 Um. So do we want to get to conspiracy theories and uh, crazy shit with Warren Beatty and Faye Runaway? No. <laughs> Alright, good. <laughs> Nothing happened. I'm tired of reading about it. It was a mistake. I just uh, I just really appreciated Beatty talking about uh, truth as the lead up to like before I open this envelope I'd just like to say that we here we just really as artists like to focus on finding truth and the winner is <laughs> yeah. yeah and PwC already already put out a statement uh, that, accepting blame you know it took away from the moment for Moonlight Moonlight yeah. didn't have their full you know audience reaction. I think at the end of it, people didn't even really know. Yeah. And also, just, you know, it wasn't my favorite movie, but think of how, how fucking heartbreaking that would be. If you're not Damon Chazelle, you're not Emma Stone, you're like the third producer, and this is your first nomination, or, you know, you're 59 or you're 65, and it's your last nomination, and you're right there, and then... You're having your hand. Yeah, and then, you know, Lucy takes the ball out. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. I'm. I was thankful that it didn't happen the other way around somehow. Yeah. That they didn't give it to Moonlight, and they were like, "I'm sorry, it's La La Land." Awesome, well, crazy. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, TJ, you beat Golden Derby, and Brent, you tied Golden Derby. Yeah, I got 16 awards right. No, yeah, I got I got 17. I won our little Oscar pool, and I was, was one up on Golden Derby. I had Casey Affleck over Denzel. In my mm. prediction. Nice. 
So we are better than the experts at Golden Derby. I just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. Even though David and I both got a little more laughable. I think I got 10. You got... 11. 11. Some of mine were some emotional hedges. And I, and I went for, for moonshots because I knew I wasn't going to beat either David or TJ. So, mm-hmm. Well, in all, it was probably one of my favorite Oscar ceremonies I can remember since I was a kid. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Yep. You had some emotional hedges. So, Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Cousin Lucas. Frozen chicken. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, are we done Oscar talk? I think so. We're done for another uh, maybe two podcasts before we start predicting 2018. I already started predicting the day. There's a musical coming out with Hugh Grant. No, I think after this week of the the Academy Denouement, we may have a couple posts about it, but we're definitely taking a break from Oscar, especially if you guys are sick of it. Um, you're probably not as excited about it as TJ and I yeah. and and uh, the rest of us will ever be. <laughs> um, but we'll get back to some other stuff and it'd be great to hit some TV topics, more yeah. hardcore video game, kind of branch out a yeah, little bit. Yeah, David will go over this at the end, but email us in or hit the Facebook groups up with any ideas for podcasts or articles. We're always, always yeah. open for all Especially that. now, we were pretty much on rails leading up to the Oscars about things we wanted to hit different uh, theme podcasts but definitely now um, you know we're completely open for talking about anything yep you know we are talky talk after Mm -hmm. all Uh, we do have homework for this week yeah Uh, keeping it short it's my pick this week Uh, this is a movie I've seen before I know one of you I know TJ has never seen this movie I I don't know if you guys have seen it I have not seen it in a long time but it's I picked a nice short one it's 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 light It, it was definitely an important movie. It had an impact on culture when it came out, to an extent. Quoted by a few people here and there. So, 1996 movie. The suspense is killing me. This movie is now old enough. Come on, Warren Beatty. Swinging <laughs> in the clubs. Your, Your movie is Swingers. Swingers. Nice. Swingers. Cool. Nice. So, Funny. Yeah. Uh, what you streaming on? Netflix. Cool. It is available on Netflix. It'd be interesting to go back to that. I haven't seen it in probably oh. ten years. Yeah. I don't remember much about it. See when uh, Vince Vaughn's head was like non-Barry Bonds level. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I think, uh, not to to jump ahead, but I think I've heard interviews that that's one of the most successful independent movies of all time. Yeah. And I don't quote me on that because I do not research anything as a point. I'm excited to watch that again. I think I've only seen it on TV before. So yeah. there's going to be a lot that I will see for the first time. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I always remember them playing uh, Gretzky on Genesis when <laughs> the the NHL second yeah, game. Nice, but cool. So that's our homework. Yeah, we're good. Is that everything? That's it. I think so. All right, and uh, like your talky talk, David. Doing my talky talk. Uh, anyway, this is Talky Talk, the Media by Us podcast. Please connect with us at, on Twitter at the Media by Us. Email us via the media by us at gmail.com or our Facebook groups, Movies by Us, TV by Us, and Games by Us. We would love to hear from you for any podcast topics like we're talking about. Uh, subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app. And uh, please give us a maximum star rating to prop up our poor self-esteems. And also to keep, help us keep us doing this every week. Um, maybe a couple times a week. Yeah. And uh, just want to say thanks for... Going through our Oscar slog, and and uh, keeping up with us, we're really excited about the progress of the website and the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty pretty rewarding. Yeah, email us. 
Yep, and anyway, this was uh, Brent. Thanks to Brent. This was Chris. Thanks to Chris. TJ. Thanks to TJ. <laughs> and uh, David. No thanks to David. <laughs> Bye. Activate and just never stop throat chopping him. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, 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 just